Okay, so before we get into the well, what you guys have discussed, could you talk to me about what are some ideas that are out there from perhaps different religious uh, groups or different people perhaps who are irreligious, but what are some ideas that are out there, either good or bad, uh, about the Ten Commandments. So what do people think when they hear the word, the Ten Commandments? What are some, what are some things that you've heard? What, 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 what can you say? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Ten Commandments is basically... A lot of people's minds, it's basically the big stick, right? Do this or I'm going to stick you, right? Like, these are the things that you, that you have to do and people view it that way, right? Yeah. What else? What else do people think about but the Ten Commandments? Yep. Um, slavery. Slavery. Yeah, yeah, so it's constraining, right? So, for example, you know the idea that's out there that not all lies are bad, just the lies that hurt people, right? That's a kind of, you guys probably have seen that in your friends' WhatsApp statuses, if you yourself haven't put it up. <laughs> I can see you. You probably put it up yourself. No, it's fine. Uh, I just need to hurt, don't hurt someone and... Uh, and many other things, you know, if it doesn't hurt people, why is it an issue? So this is slavery to some archaic rules. Yep, over here, we had a hand, yep. I'm sorry, say that again. Yeah, yeah, so some people view these rules not as a steel rod, but as aluminium that you, you know, they were meant to be bent every now and again. You know, obviously, you can't be this person who treats these things like they're like so clear and cut. They need to be bent a little bit. Yeah, very good. What else have you heard? What are some ideas out there? Kaya? Yeah. That's a big one. And that one's closer to home, okay? Because a lot of people who, uh, who say they believe the Bible, and a lot of people who actually, I believe, who love the Lord Jesus and actually are Christians, believe that. That we, we you know, and, and of course, you know, they're quoting that verse completely wrongly. Uh, you know, we're, we're not under law, we're under grace, meaning that don't require things of me, just love God, right? Which is funny because that in itself is a command. Just love God. But anyway, uh, so that's, that's a big misconception as well, uh, that, we, that these things somehow aren't binding to us. Yep. Yep. Cullen? A checklist to get to heaven. Yeah. So you remember the rich young ruler? Yeah? Lord Jesus says, he comes to the Lord Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord Jesus says, you know the commandments? 
the Lord Jesus is doing something and this guy is not seeing what Jesus is doing. He says, you know the commandments. And the guy says, uh, these I have kept since my youth. Already that's the first problem. <laughs> you and I know that's the problematic. But he says, every single day I've hit my checklist. As if that's possible. But he's, he's, he viewed them that way. That's definitely a popular idea as well. Um, and not only is it a checklist to get to heaven, some people, uh, and especially you see this a lot when you do evangelism, some people seem to think that they are make-weight for when you don't keep them. So when I, as long as I keep the bulk of them, when I break them here and there, you know, it's going uh, to equal and balance, and it's going to be like, the more that I've kept, the better I'm going to be. You know, you've heard that? Like, I've, I'm more, on, on balance, I'm more so a good person than I am a bad person. Um, so that's, that's a popular view as well. Any other thoughts? Benj? Yeah, I think a lot of people look at that and they basically just say that the Ten Commandments are there um, because it's like a moralistic religion. It's just to keep society in order and go further, that sort of thing. And the prophet says all religions have that sort of purpose. So that's the role that religions play. Yeah. So that, that especially became a, a dominant uh, argument early 1900s, like before the Second World War, uh, because uh, there was this, amongst philosophers, the argument was, what's the point of religion, right? Because now we've, we've gone through the Enlightenment, so from the 17th century, uh, that you've heard the, the Adfontes of, of France. From that moment onwards, there was like, let's put aside tradition and put aside you know, religious thinking and put aside myths and let's be rational people. And so for 300 years, the Western world is going through that whole exercise and then they land and say, okay, now we realize that we don't need religion. Religion does, is useless. So then why must we now, what, what, what's the purpose of religion? And that's one of the arguments that was put forward by rationalists, we're not believers, that no, religion is good because it keeps society organized. It keeps, it, it, it's an extra inhibition. Instead of filling up prisons, let's fill up churches uh, and let's allow preachers to preach themselves to death so that people, so that society is organized and that we don't have people killing each other because that's what's useful about it. So what you're saying is exactly right. Um, uh, and that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a massive view. And you find that view even, um, even subconsciously today. I have a friend, one of my, one of my close friends, who, whose father and mother are not believers. They don't, they've never been to church or whatever. But my friend was saved at a young age. And him and his siblings were all saved. And then he, you know, the Lord saved him very young. And then he grew up and he, his life was orderly because, you know, he's, he's now a Christian and he's trying to follow the Lord. And then, every, and then he does things well. And then the, the other family members and, whose kids are, you know, crazy and all of this and, other society members, they ask them, you know, what is it that your kids, you know, your kids are all, you know, they're so respectful and they're doing everything right. What is it about your kids? And then, you know, his, and then my friend tells me that his dad was just like sitting there like about to drop knowledge, you know. He says, you know what you do? You send them to church. <laughs> you know, imagine that in like a, a strong, old, you know, uh, accent. He, you send them to church and then they'll be fine. He didn't send them to church, by the way. They went there because the Lord saved them. Anyway, so that you find that all over the place. 
you find this 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 thing yeah any last thing that that hasn't been mentioned yet of what people think about when they think of the 10 commandments what have you heard no well i hope you've seen in this particular in this small exercise that the 10 commandments are a whole lot more than that and i'm going to show you over the next couple of weeks and months but certainly we're going to dip our waters in today the 10 commandments are not just a stick 10 commandments and not just uh, 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 some laws. And a lot of these things, incidentally, a lot of these things that we have said have some truth to them about what the Ten Commandments are. But they, they're hitting it at the surface. They're hitting it at secondary level. So we're going we're gonna to dig into that a little bit today. So group one, uh, let's start with you. Uh, what are the Ten Commandments? Who are they for and why are they given? Can, sorry, can you guys hear him over there? Uh, they can't hear you, my man. Go was on you. Sondel. 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 Sharp. Project. So the Ten Commandments are God's covenant with his people. Yeah. Um, so they are rules and commands given to God's people to govern their lives or life size. Uh, it reveals the character of the, of, of the one who gave them and also the fruit of our salvation. Mm. Because if you're a Christian, you will keep the commands of God. Yeah. So that is where we see whether you're a Christian or not. And um, I also mentioned the, the character of God, right? So thirdly, is, it is to govern how we relate to God and men. Um, for example, the first four are for God. And you remember in the answer that Jesus Christ gave, gave to the to the Pharisaic uh, lawyer uh, when he asked which are the which is the great greatest commandment, he said, um, "You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and, and all your faculties." And then he, the second one is to love your your fellow men as you love yourself. So the first one is to love God, and then the second uh, half, which is six command, are to love men um, when you break them down. So, um, yeah. Okay. So, so. That was your handwriting, I, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It was not, so I'm struggling. Um, so, they are also a mirror. They help us to reveal sin um, because uh, uh, the only way that you know that you have sinned is to look at the Ten Commandments. So, they don't give you any solution. The Ten Commandments, the law of God, condemns you. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, they were also given post-salvation, um, post-deliverance. The people of Israel were delivered from Egypt. I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of the land of Egypt. So, it's not like God was saying that, okay, now you are in Egypt, keep this laws, keep this command, and then now you're going to come to me. It was after they were delivered from yeah. Egypt. Yeah. When God gives them those commands. Yeah. Okay, so the second question is, uh, who are they for? Uh, the, the answer is direct. <laughs> they are for Israel, God's people. Yeah. And then thirdly, um, uh, the question was, why are they given? 
So to distinguish them from other missions. Yes. That is the first answer we gave. Yeah. And then the second one is to learn and to do them. That is the answer that we got from the, from the passage that we were reading. And also to, to do them so that they can live longer in the context of the people of Israel. So it is also for our sanctification. Hmm, I, I forgot what, what Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Yeah, so, so. It's fine. I think, uh, I think you've given us enough to have yeah, a conversation. Yeah. So they are also a schoolmaster. They lead us to Jesus Christ because they are not a solution. They condemn us. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Reza. I, I want you to think about this, and, and you need to have an assumption behind. What, what you've said is great, and let's, uh, let's talk about it. Uh, you, you need to have a proper assumption behind why the Ten Commandments are given. What you have are a group of people who, are in, who were in slavery, in bondage, who were completely, uno, do not know their God, right? You have to treat them as less than babies. These people do not know their right hand from their left as it regards true life, okay? You go to the world and you find three different people and they're going to give you three different answers, as to the meaning of life and as to what life is all about. And what God is doing here, taking these people who are in bondage in Israel, in, in Egypt, taking them out, he's, what he's doing is he's calibrating them. This is what life is about. So here's the thing. You were in Egypt and all you knew in Egypt was there's the sun, there's the sun God and all of this. So that needs to be corrected. But also, you were in Egypt and you, you understood that if somebody made you angry, what do you do with them? Kill them. What did Moses do? Remember what Moses did? He killed someone who uh, was hurting an Israelite, an Israelite, a fellow brother of his. They, where you, they are in a place where they, they don't have a proper calibration. Sure, there's the light of nature there. Um, amongst the Egyptians. So there are things that the Egyptians say that are right, uh, but not from the right base. And the right base is this, that you are to live under me as your God, and this is how you live. So what the Ten Commandments are this for you, number one, they, they stop your incessant searching for meaning. Okay? The Ten Commandments are the end of your incessant, innate search for meaning. Do you want to know what life is all about? You want to have meaning? You want to figure out what all of this is for? Go to the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, you see life revealed. This is life. And it comes, it goes right to the very first one. You shall have no other gods before one. Not me, God. In, in this analogy, I'm the other God, so no. Don't make me an other God. Um, you shall have no other gods before God. Right? Yahweh. And when he says me, he's saying me, the I am. See, he's given the personal name. He says me, the I am. The one who took you out of slavery. The one who has saved you, like uh, 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 Reza so passionately tells us repeatedly. Uh, the one who saves you, the one, the one who took you out of the land of Egypt, the one who took you out, took you out of your bondage of sin and slavery to, to pain and suffering, the one who's taken you out of that, you are to have no other gods beyond him. 
You look to the Ten Commandments if you want to understand what life is about. I guarantee you, anyone who, tr- who, who tries to philosophize, who tries to search, who tries to uh, 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 find categories by which they are to live, who tries to make truisms, you know these truisms, these WhatsApp statuses, these nice little pictures on social media. I really love attacking your WhatsApp, so, your WhatsApp statuses because they're so full of nonsense. I mean, I'm sitting there at home, I'm like, really, you believe that? <laughs> like, the, 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 all of these truisms that, 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 that we're imbibing, right? You're seeing these things all the time, right? You're with me. Where we're imbibing all these truisms. And if these things are separated from the Ten Commandments, particularly separated from the very first commandment, you're in trouble. It's just, it's like you're a blind person leading another blind person. Have you ever seen like somebody say something that's so profound and everybody says, sure, sure. You, you, you know what I mean? Like somebody like that sound bites you. Somebody says something cool. Oh, wow. That's, that's so wise. Somebody says, well, if you, if, you, if you can't love me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. <laughs> you know, when you, when, you, when you hear someone say something like that, right? You're like, sure. You're like, Wow. But here's, here's what I'm saying to you. If I can come to you with the Ten Commandments and repudiate what you have just said, I've just shown that what you have said is lifeless. Okay? Look beyond the fact that these are laws. These are not just laws. This is life. This is... In fact, if you want a man... If, if, if you buy a Mercedes, if you buy a Mercedes, who tells you where the Mercedes is going to drive? Will you now take this Mercedes that you just bought and decided, you know what, I need to go to Australia. Let's go to the Indian Ocean and drive. You're not going to do that. Why? Because the car's not designed for this. Are you with me? The car's not designed to go into the Indian Ocean to drive to Australia. Okay? It's not, that's not the function. That's not how this thing was designed. Where now, why on earth are you... you what, what you are, you're a, you're a car. You're a Mercedes. And you're busy asking other Mercedes what you should be doing with your life. Instead of going to the manufacturer, the company, Mercedes, instead of going to God himself and asking him, hey, how should I live? You see what I'm saying? That's what the Ten Commandments are. The Ten Commandments are much more than just rules for the Israelites. They're, they're so much more than that. They're, they're life given. This is now that I have redeemed you, now that I've come into covenant with you, okay, here's what life is about. Now live under me. You've heard the phrase Koram Dio? Living under God. That's what it is. I've saved you. I've, I've redeemed you. You now belong to me. You don't, you don't belong to anybody else. You're now mine. You're now my property. And I'm now the one who's going to fight for you, fight for your battles. I'm the one who's going to protect you. I'm the one who's going to seek to do you good all the time. Okay. Wonderful. So then what should I do? Hear the Ten Commandments. This is how you live. Just exist, breathe. These are, your, these are the terms of your freedom. You were in bondage and in slavery. Now come to life. Now, part of the things that we have said here um, is that the mistake that people make is that they believe, like, like Rezel said, they believe that this is how you actually get to freedom. Yeah? So follow the Ten Commandments, and then you get to freedom that way. So you... Follow the Ten Commandments and, that's, and then you're going to have life. Are you with me?
but that's putting the cart before the horse. That's not the right, that's not the right direction. Okay? The right direction is you, you have life. Right? You, you, you meet God. God redeems you from your sin. In many sense, we're at some point, all of us, we are like those Israelites in Egypt, enslaved to sin. Right? Jesus explained this to us, that um, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You with me? So when uh, you might be thinking you're sinning because you like it, or you're sinning because you enjoy it. Or you're sinning because it's cool. Like you're doing things that God says are wrong. And when I say sin, I mean doing something that God hates. That's what sin is. Okay? Sin is not some uh, culturally decided thing or, or something that your dad told you not to do. Your, t- your dad could have very well been wrong. Sin is doing something that God says you should not do. Or rather, doing something, uh, or rather not doing something that God says you should do. See, that's what sin is, very simply. And so you might, be doing, you might be performing these sins thinking that, you know, you're enjoying them, it's part of life, it's part of the stage of life, you know I'm going to get over it, whatever. But actually what you're doing is you're not realizing that you're a slave. Um, you, you, you're a slave. Uh, uh, you, you are not realizing that, uh, that, that, that the slavery has gotten you and it's hooked you. Uh, you, you. You are under a leash. It beats you and you do it again, and it beats you, and you do it again, and it beats you. You keep doing it when you think that this is fun, but it isn't actually. And you know it isn't, but the, and the thing is, there's something within you, inside there, that tells you that, nah, I'm nah. I harm I It's something in there that tells you, no, Zuguchi, this is wrong. This is, this is wrong. And, and the reason that's there is because the conscience agrees with God's law. So what are the Ten Commandments? Uh, the Ten Commandments... A God's revelation of true life, to live under Him as one who believes in Him. Okay, it's a it's it's a it's a manifesto of life for those who who have been redeemed. It is not an entryway into life itself, um, but it's rather a manifesto uh, for what true life looks like. Yes, also. we will discuss this a bit later on, but you guys were right. Uh, they, there's, there's other uses, there's other particular issues as to what the, the, they are, and we're going to discuss that right at the end. There's two other things that we haven't mentioned that I've left for the end. <laughs> I was talking. Okay. Well, I'm done talking. Uh, uh, let's listen to the next group. Uh, group B. Uh, what is a covenant? Uh, what exactly were the terms of the covenant? between God and the Israelites at Mount Horeb? And what differences are there between this covenant and the new covenant? Group two, you have a speaker? Oh, you guys didn't decide. Decide now. Oh, it was supposed to be Kai. Okay, Kai's gone. Uh, Kai had to rush off somewhere. So can somebody else? Was a hilt, I was. No? <laughs> Guys, come on now. <laughs> where, where are your notes? Does Kaya have them? Does Kaya have your notes? <laughs> no? No? Oh boy. Did you guys discuss anything? 
like, like, what was going on for 30 minutes? <laughs> um, sure, sure, not so, not so. Yeah, yeah. What was the sign? You're going to have to project, Sai, just a bit louder, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think we get the general idea. You don't have to read. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, so this is an important question, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Thanks, Sai. Sure. Sure, Sai. So, come with me in your Bibles for a second to Exodus 24. I want to show you something. Um, uh, Exodus 24. This is the covenant between the, the, the Lord, Yahweh, and the Israelites being confirmed. It says, then he said to Moses, uh, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship him from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. 
and he sent young men of the people of the people of Israel who offered up burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen of the Lord. And Moses, now look at this, Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar. <clears throat> then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord, all that Yahweh has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. So from the same animal, took the blood, threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Okay. So there's a lot of debate in history as to what a covenant is, especially as it relates to God and human beings. But certainly there are two clear elements of what a covenant is. Um, I prefer the, the definition that says, a covenant is an oath-bound promise. A covenant is an oath-bound promise. Now, it just depends which covenant you're talking about because some covenants unlike others, have more conditions. And certainly the one that we're on here, especially the one, of, the one relating to the, 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 Israels, the Israelites as a nation, had conditions. You can read more about that in Deuteronomy chapter 28, for example, where he explains these are the conditions. If you do this, it's what's going to happen. If you do this, is what's, what's, what's going to happen. And, but, but what we see here, you see, what we see here is this that they enter into a covenant, and the sign that he does is that he, there's this animal that's killed, and some of the blood is spilt on the altar. In one sense, that's an image of, this blood is spilt on God, and then the Israelites say, we'll keep what God, what God has told us to do, and then he takes some of that blood and he spills it on the people. And the idea here is that the two of you, God and the people, are now in a covenant uh, by blood. The two of you now are in a, a you, you have an agreement. There's an oath-bound promise from each side. This side, God says, this is what I will do. And on this side, the people say, this is what we will do in response to what you have said you will do. So then both of them coming with intentions to do something, they enter into covenant. What would happen at that time, it's a similar imagery with marriage. People would enter into a covenant in a marriage. Two kings would enter into a, 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 an alliance that way. They'd kill an animal and then they'd both walk through it. Um, and, and the idea here is simply this, that there's two people are, are, are agreeing and they're agreeing in blood to do, to do something. But what is different between human covenants, so between a man and a woman, or between a nation and a nation, or a king and a king, and a God and a human covenant, is that the, the God and human covenant is initiated and maintained by God. Okay? It's initiated by God. It is, it is really, it has, the, it has the, the semblance of you have to do something, but the reality is that it is, it is God-managed all the way through. It is, it is, it is a covenant it's an, oath by, it's, an, it's an oath promise by God. So when God says that if you Israelites go to another God, 
then I'm going, to leave, I'm going to leave your land. I'm going to leave you here to be destroyed by these other nations whose gods you've gone after. That's exactly what happens. See, that's part of the covenant. If you do what I, if you, if you do what I tell you not to do, this is what's going to happen. And he actually does it, you see. He actually does what he says he will do. Now, what, what, I, I want to just, what's the, what's the point of bringing all of this up? Uh, the Ten Commandments, then, also function as a covenant document between the Israelites and God. So they, are, they reveal life, like I've said. They reveal life. True life is what life is like. But also, they are, they are at this time, for the people of Israel, they are the contract by which the nation of Israel is going to be sustained. When the nation of Israel at large moves away from the Ten Commandments, nation of Israel uh, is going to be found in troubles. That's why you have the book of Judges. That's why you have them going to slavery through the Assyrians and the, uh, the Nebuchadnezzars of the world and so forth and so forth and the Romans and all of this. That's why they are not standing solidly. Uh, it's because uh, when, the, when the Messiah comes, they're not standing solidly as a nation because they, they broke the covenant and so God did what he said he would do when they break the covenant. Now, with that in mind, um, uh, with that in mind, I want to read for you this. Come with me now to Hebrews chapter 10. I want you to see with me a principle that, because all of this I'm giving you, you need to think, how does this apply to me? I'm not an Israelite, okay? You're, nobody here is a Jew, except for maybe the, just a little bit, right? Just, just a tinge, right? Just a little bit, the, the, the lobe shirts, just a little bit. But even you guys aren't, don't have this covenant, so you're like us, actually. <laughs> so you can't, you can't now claim your Jewishness. You're the same. Um... Uh, look with me here at Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 26. And I want you to pay attention to this. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but rather a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone, now listen to this now, he's making an example about this Ten Commandments that we're talking about, this covenant as the Ten Commandments. Look at what he says. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Okay? So at that time, under the law of Moses, um, if somebody, if somebody, uh, if somebody uh, 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 broke the, that law, so if somebody was caught... In adultery, uh, in some of these laws we're going to see, somebody was caught uh, uh, worshipping another god, somebody was caught uh, not worshipping God on the Sabbath, or not resting, working on the Sabbath, etc. Uh, they would have been killed, that's what he says here, uh, on, the, on the evidence of two or three witnesses, under that jurisdiction, under that time of that covenant, they would have been killed. But look at what he says about us now, 
who lived this side of the cross. Look at what he says. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, like literally, revenge is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is what he's basically saying. That there was a covenant there that had its stipulations. But don't now think that now that you are living under Christ, Jesus Christ has come, he has died for our sins, and he has ascended up into heaven, and he is calling us to him. Under this wonderful covenant of grace, where now we're, we're living in a way more Koram deal than the Israelites did. We have now a real connection with God because the Spirit of God has come. Okay? Spirit of grace has come. He's in us. We cannot now continue deliberately living as though the Ten Commandments were never given. Are you with me? Um, uh, so in light of all of this, the reality for us is that we must, in the same way for them, it's true for us, if you think, you, 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 there's two kinds of people. There's a person. Well, there's not only two kinds of people, but there's at least two kinds of people. There's a person who comes and says, oh, this is easy. I just believe in Jesus Christ who died for my sins. I nod at that. Yes, he died for my sins. Great. And then I just, you know, I, I, there's no, you know, nobody's coming, checking up on me. What, you know, I can just live my life however I want. Um, and then come to church on Sunday. Uh, if you think like that, you're going to be in serious trouble. Because what it is is this. Uh, this relationship that you are called to now is worse than the one that seems so severe. A lot of people think that the Old Testament God is, ah, is terrifying, is scary. Oh, wow, look at how, how he murders things and destroys cities and all this. But the New Testament repeatedly, over and over again, says, that the new covenant is worse. The new covenant is worse. It's worse in severity. Think about this. Jesus says, you who hears me preaching about Jesus Christ, it will be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for you if you do not repent and believe. Are you understanding how hectic this is? This covenant, it's, it's, it's a covenant of grace that we have. It's a wonderful uh, where we've been called by God, by His mercy. We've been called to Him, and He loves us. He, he draws us in by His Spirit. He's the one who does the, call. He does, he's the, one who does the predestination. He does the calling. He does, he does the justification. He does the glorification. But do not, do not be confused. Don't take that as some kind of license of weakness. If you think that you're a Christian, but you're living a life of sin, I'm telling you, you're in serious trouble. You're in danger. You need to repent. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ truthfully. You cannot say, I have received the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ and at the same time, I'm going to live a perpetual life of sin. can't do that. It's impossible. Um, you may for a season, but not completely your whole life. And you, need to, you, you, you need to repent and you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I hope what, what, what you're hearing from this is, this is that we have a covenant with God, a wonderful covenant we are in the new covenant. 
Um, and the difference here, and the, the third question, what I was trying to get at with the third question, the, di- the difference here is this. If you read Jeremiah 31, I'm not going to read it now because we're running out of time. We've had a few interruptions. Uh, but if you read Jeremiah 31, from verse 31 to 34, you see something spectacular there. He says the way, the fundamental difference that this covenant, the new covenant, is going to be different from the old covenant is mainly one thing. And that one thing is this, that my law is written on their hearts. So before, one guy had to remind another guy, hey, God says this. Another guy had to remind, hey, we're not. Hey don't, hey, don't start working. Don't you remember it's Sabbath tomorrow? Eba was off. Like, you have, people had to remind each other, this is what God says, what God says. But in the new covenant, no one's going to remind another person. You know what God requires. It's a special covenant. Why? How do you know? Because the Spirit of God has come and landed on you. In fact, the biblical word is that he's overshadowing you. He's all, he, the Holy Spirit has come into you in a beautiful way. He has regenerated you and made you a new creature. There's new life where there was death before. And so this is a wonder. It is truly a wonderful, beautiful covenant that we have. But do not get it twisted. God will not be mocked. Yeah? Don't read stories of Jesus uh, sitting with prostitutes and, ga- and gamblers and and, uh, you know, and tax collectors and corrupt people and think that that means that you're fine. What that means is that Jesus welcomes any and all, but all of those people, if they've had an encounter with Jesus, their lives change. You with me? That's the nature of this covenant. So don't hate the Ten Commandments. Love them. They are life for you. Group C, and I need you to do quickly. If you don't have a speaker, tell me now and I'll speak. Okay? <laughs> we need to move quickly now. Yeah, if, if everybody can hear you, it's fine. Just stand up and speak. And, and try and just bullet points be succinct. We're actually running out of time. Could you just rather answer uh, question two and three? Because, you, because by answering question two and three, you will explain question one. Okay, so, so Leviticus 1 is a, the sacrificial laws, yeah? The, the Levitical laws, the priestly laws for the people of Israel at that time. And Exodus 21, it's a civil law. Laws for the nation of Israel, how they are to live. And you're saying what about those two laws as opposed to the Ten Commandments? Perfect. Succinct. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but thank you. That's it. Yes. So, you see, so guys, this is what you're going to hear. Okay? You're going to talk to a friend of yours at university or wherever, and you're going to say to them, hey, um, uh, you know, uh, God says in the scripture uh, that adultery is sin. So what you're doing is adultery, and you need to repent. 
what you're doing is offensive to God. Um, um, and, um, and God says that you need to repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ and live a righteous life. Then your friend says, no, 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 but don't worry, I've already repented, I'm a Christian, God loves me. Then when you say, oh, oh, okay, well, but you know that God says, you know, adultery is sin, so why are you living this way? Oh, where does God say adultery or fornication is sin? And then you say, well, Ten Commandments. And then your friend's going to say, well, okay, okay, if you believe in the Ten Commandments so much then, should you, uh, do you eat crayfish? Or, or uh, what about this? Do you eat, do you eat shellfish? Uh, do, do you eat bacon? Ah, so you eat bacon when I eat. So then, so yes, I almost this thing. It's the same. You see what your friend is going to say to you? And he's hooked you. And when, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be lost. You're going to be like, ah, ah. Let me, this is what you need to understand clearly. The, the, more, the Ten Commandments have a special place. God wrote them with his own hand. They are the, a revelation of God's character. They are moral. They are always abiding. The other laws, what are called the positive laws, uh, civil law, Levitical law, these laws, they, are, they, were, they, they were for a particular time and a particular season. Even the New Covenant has what we call positive laws that don't apply everywhere. For example, um, there was a particular time where in the church, it was expected at the, at the dawn of the church, it was expected that there were going to be prophecies and speaking, speakings in tongues. And so Paul writes down positive laws for how that is to be managed. But Paul never expects, and certainly the rest of the Bible makes it clear, that, that the rest of the church is going to have to deal with that because those particular miraculous gifts were for a particular time. So there are laws in the Bible that are for a particular purpose and time, and these are clear because they are not moral. Okay? They're separate from moral. Or, here's a, here's a simple way. Uh, as, uh, you generally are able to map all of those laws to a moral law. You're generally able to map, especially when you look at the civil laws, uh, and, and as to how they are to, you know, not how they are to handle things, um, having two or three witnesses to establish the matter. Well, that's because of you know, law number nine, law number nine, and so forth. And, and so, the point is this: that uh, uh, the the ten commandments are the summary of the law, and then the summary of what God has for us. And Jesus Christ comes and even summarizes the ten commandments even further. He says, "Love for God, love for man." Yeah? He summarizes it even better. If you want to understand what true religion is, it's to love God with everything and love man like you love yourself. That's the summary of the Ten Commandments. These are the abiding law. This is, this is the abiding law. Shellfish and bacon and, and so forth, those things were for a particular time because they were under a dispensation before the Lord Jesus Christ came to die and rise again. And you need to understand this because your friends at university are going to try and get you. And you need to be able to have the categories correct. Are you with me? Yeah? So we're just going to move on from that and this is a question. But I want to just move on very quickly to the last, to the last group and then we, we wrap up uh, because there's still a curfew. Uh, last group. Uh, yeah. I, I gave you guys a bit of a goose chase but... Uh, I think you would you'd be able to do it. Yep. Is 
Ja. Ja. Yeah, you don't have to pad it with a lot of examples. Just, just keep going. Just, just keep on. You have ten commands, and you're only at the second one. Keep going.
Okay. Ephesians 4, Paul says, do not lie to one another because now you've been saved. Yeah. Yeah. And commandment 10, do not covet. Yeah, so there's a number of them. For example, uh, Paul says, uh, stay away from greed and envy, which are idolatry. Yeah? Yes, yes. Um, so, so th- thank you. We just need to keep going here. So, the point of this little exercise is to show you something. That these commands are not obsolete. Okay? So, there might still be a lingering question in your mind. Hey, why? Uh, you know, these, if these, these commandments were written on the tablet that was the covenant document between God and Israel, what on earth do they have with me today? And I want to show you, and by this exercise, I'm showing you, and there's a lot more than what, what they've done is good work. There's a lot more. Um, and really the idea is this, that the, all of the New Testament imperatives, so every single, go find any single command in the New Testament, I challenge you. Any command that is given to a Christian This is how you are to live. You can always map that command back to some of the the Ten Commandments. Always and 100% of the time. Every single one of the commands that you are told to follow as a New Testament believer, uh, they they have a correlation to the New Ten Commandments. Because the Ten Commandments is the eternal law. Ten Commandments are the moral law by which we are to live. So, the Ten Commandments are not just life for the Israelites, but they are also life for us. And you have to think about this. Uh, some, we come from very different backgrounds, isn't it? Yeah? Uh, some of you come from ancestral worship. Some of you come from Western rationalism. Uh, some of you uh, come from just irreligiousness and just laissez-faire kind of living. Some of you come from extremely religious homes. You come from the whole spectrum. And when God saves you out of that mess that you come from, you're exactly like the Israelites. You, you also need to be clarified. Certain things need to be clarified for you. And you also need to be given what, it is, what is it that is life. And so the New Testament takes the... If the writers of the New Testament, they take what the, what the Ten Commandments were... And they apply it to different situations for people who are just like you and me. So for the Ephesians, uh, the Ten Commandments are applied uh, specifically from chapter, uh, uh, chapter 4 onwards. They're really applied. You can really sit down and boom, 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 boom. And apply it in different ways. And it, it's, it's less, you, you think, oh, Ten Commandments just say that I shouldn't kill anyone. But then Paul comes and says, no, actually... It's more than just you shouldn't kill someone. It's your speech has to be beneficial to everybody that you speak to each time. When you're speaking in the new covenant, your speech has to be beneficial. Don't let corrupting talk, talk that is corrupting, talk that makes ungodly come out of your mouth. Right? Because that's a form of murder. See, when when you're speaking nonsense... But when I mean nonsense, like things that corrupt people, profanities, uh, uh, slanderousness, 
uh, gossip, those kinds of things that, that hurt people, what you're doing is you're murdering. You're either murdering the person who's listening to this garbage, or you're murdering the person that you're talking about who's not there. See, that's just one example out of many. When Paul goes to the Colossians and does the same thing, John says, children, I'm giving you a new commandment, which is the old commandment, which is to love one another. You understand? So that is what the New Testament does. The New Testament bases its entire life theology. How is it? Imagine, just think about me. This, think about this for a second with me. How is it that Paul, a Jew, can leave uh, Tarsus, he's from Tarsus, can leave Tarsus and go tell people in Corinth, people in Asia, people in North Africa, people in all over the place, he can go and authoritatively tell them how to live. How? Oh, Paul, he doesn't know my struggles, Mina. He, has, he, has no, he doesn't know my life. He doesn't know what, what things that we, my people here, really, you know, what we're about. How can he, with his pen dead somewhere, tell me how to live? Well, the reason for that is because Paul is basing his entire theology of life on the Ten Commandments, which is, which is the, 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 the theology of life, the theology of what it looks like to be one who has been born again, one who has come from slavery of living in darkness, uh, following this God and that God, come from there and has come now to God. So that's why Paul is able to do it, because all it needs is just an application of everything. That's why sometimes Paul is surprised that those Christians don't know what to do. He says, wait, hold on for a second, Corinthians. You guys mean to tell me that you're going to take each other as church people, you're going to take each other to a worldly court. Honestly. Like, you, you guys, you mean to tell me that because when somebody took your Netflix login and then they watched Netflix with their friends and then they passed it on, now when are you just going to call the lawyers on them? How? Could you not have asked someone in the church to settle the matter amongst you? Why is he expecting them to know this? Because the Ten Commandments are an eternal law, not only that's written in the tablets, but they're also written in man's heart. But furthermore, he, goes, he even goes on and says, okay, hold on, okay, let's say there wasn't anybody to settle this Netflix dispute between the two of you. Are you honestly telling me that you could not rather be wronged? He says, why not rather be wronged? Why is it that you care so much about your Netflix account that you want to actually take someone to court over it. Couldn't you just, be, just take an L and go home? Just take an L and relax. Why is it that you have to win? Why not rather be wronged? Paul is asking that because the Ten Commandments, properly understood, properly read, would, would say this, that I'd rather see others better than myself. I'm going to exalt others better than myself. So that is the point here. Now, the point is that the Ten Commandments really are the full theology of life uh, for us as believers as well. And finally, I have a, a final question here that I'm just going to mention now uh, that uh, we didn't do that final group discussion. I wanted us to sit and discuss this, but we're out of time. So we're not going to discuss this. You can just think about it yourself, discuss it privately. What, purposes do, what purpose do the Ten Commandments have in the life of a Christian. And there are three purposes, and I said we're going to discuss this, so there are, there are three purposes for the Ten Commandments in general, okay? 
and then there's one particular one for the Christian. First, the, the, the Ten Commandments are, they perform a, a they, they are a curb. They are through the, the fear of punishment, the law keeps the sinful nature of both Christians and non-Christians under check. Meaning <clears throat> that uh, if you know that there is a law, the law then is a, is a further a means of, uh, of common grace. To the Christian, it, it stops you. You know, you're fearfully aware. You know what? If I break this law, I've just read Hebrews. It says that I'm going to be destroyed if I persist in this. And it makes you stop. Right? For the non-Christian, it stops them from going further because there's a fear of punishment. So that is why, generally, a lot of some, you know, when, when, when countries apply things that are in line with the Ten Commandments to their laws, law system, like don't kill people, generally then people, one of the reasons why people don't actually kill each other is because they're afraid of the punishment that will come. Uh, and so that's one use, that it's, uh, it, it keeps us under check, it makes us fearful, and that, and that stops the evil in the world from being rampant and going as crazy as it can. Second, second use of the law is that the law is a mirror which reveals what's actually there. It serves as a perfect reflection of what God created uh, the human heart and life to be. It shows anyone who compares his or her life to God's requirement for, God's requirement for perfection that he is sinful. That's really what it does. It, it shows you, it mirrors for you. This is what you look like. God's law is this and you don't meet it. So it leaves you, like Rezal was saying, it leaves you with a problem. So you read the Ten Commandments and you say, and then what? Because Mina, I haven't kept these, and I doubt that I'm going to keep these tomorrow. So then what must happen? So it's a mirror. And the answer is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He dies for your sins, completely exonerates you before God. Now you live without debt, now you live debt free. And the third use now, now this is a use specifically for Christians. uh, that it is a guide for life. So the Ten Commandments are not just a curb, uh, just like a. So, like I said to you, there is a stick element. They're not just a stick, they're not just a mirror, but they're also a guide. There are worse things that you can do than recite the Ten Commandments every morning before you leave your day, before you start your day. This today, I'm not going to have any other God before you, my Lord. Today, I'm not going to create an image uh, in my head and worship that image or take somebody else and make them a god. Today, I'm going to commit to only worshipping you in the way that you've stipulated. I'm, I'm going to speak one word and no further. I'm not going to use your name as an oath, etc., etc. There are worse things that you could do for your piety, for your level of righteousness, than just before you start your day in the morning, Recite the Ten Commandments because they are a guide for what you are. You want to be. You want to be one who lives under God. Are you with me? So that's those are the three uses of the law, and the last one is the one that I want you to take home, take home with you. That they are a guide for life. They are truly God's uh, life revelation for you, and you ought to try. You ought to, as a believer, having been redeemed. Now I have to say this now: if you're not a believer in here. If you just are you know, inquiring about Christianity, I want you to understand that in one sense, this conversation has really been not about you. 
Um, this conversation has been aside you because when you're, what, the only thing that the scripture has to say to you, if you're not a believer, is that you need to repent and believe in Christ Jesus. Your sins are enslaving you. You are, you are enslaved in Egypt. You're dying. Your, your sin master is destroying you and he will finally destroy you unless you, you look up to the Savior who is therefore giving you life. Unless you turn from your sin master and turn to the Savior who's offering you free life. Um, don't think about these laws. In one sense, these laws, for you, they're just, they're just there to show you that you really do need a Savior. Uh, you're one who needs a Savior. You're not one who can save themselves because with all of your willpower, I'm going to give you 24 hours. Trust, just try and keep the Ten Commandments. I, I'm going to give you my car, my phone, my wedding ring, everything. You can t- take and shut your arm, it's fine. <laughs> I'm going to give you 24 hours. Let's see if you can keep the Ten Commandments. You can't. The, re- the re- reality is that we, we need God's grace. And the only ones who can keep the Ten Commandments, Romans 6 tells us, is those who have been set free from the bondage of slavery, of sin. Are you with me? Any final questions, thoughts, comments on this before we close real quick and we go home? Dr. Lise. Because the person is saying, well, now we're, now, we're, now we're you sin. So then why are you making a big deal about mine? It's a really good question. And the answer is not, is not complicated. Um, uh, if a person is trying to justif- use that to justify their sinning, the qualitative difference is this, is that when uh, you hate your sin and you're trying to not sin, yeah, now he's going head first to their sin. That's a difference. That's a qualitative difference. Is that uh, as a believer, I'm one who's being sanctified and I stumble in many ways, James says. I stumble in many ways. So there are times where I'm walking, I'm walking with the Lord and then I find myself stumbling. But it's different from someone who says, who's not stumbling, someone who actually chooses to go to a different direction. You know, you can't, you can't, here's a, here's a, you know, here's a, there's Olympics going on right now. Here's a runner. A runner is running this way. And then here's another runner. They say, oh, I'm starting the race, and then, but I'm just going to go into the stands. But I'm continuing in my race. I'm in the race still. And then, and then this runner who's running says, hey, Wenabuya, come back. Here's the track. And then as this runner is saying, come back, here's the track, then this runner stumbles and falls. This guy who's going into the stands can't say, oh, well, you're stumbling and falling. You're, now you're also wrong. You see? No, this one is on the track. They're stumbling on the track. This one is going completely off track. And so it's not the same. And you don't allow them to do that. What you want to do is press the conscience. No, but when uh, you are being rebellious. See that? Use that old term. Use that strong term. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. Use it. You are being rebellious. You, you, you want to rule yourself. You, you, you want to do what you want to do. You don't want to bend to God. Mina, yes, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a sinner. I fall, but praise God, Jesus Christ died 
And so I'm going to pick myself up and follow him. But when you just want to say, Jesus Christ died, so let me continue sinning. What nonsense is this? So you see, so please don't allow them. Don't let them leave that conversation smiling. Just in your press. And be like, no, 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 you can't do that to God. God is not, a stu- God is not an idiot. God will not be mocked. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, any other question, thought, comment? Uh, Reza. Yeah, so it's not, it, well, I hear what you're saying, and what you're saying is an element, it, it's, the, it's part of it, but it's not fully, because the difference between a believer, actually the Bible says the difference between a believer and an unbeliever, is that the believer not only desires to do right, but he actually does it. Yeah. You see? Mm-hmm. So read James, um, you know, show me, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So, so, that's a diff- so there's, a, there's an even a more fundamental Difference there that, yeah, I desire it, you don't. But Mina, by the power of God, I'm actually able to honor God. I'm actually able to truly honor God because I've been changed, because God is working in me. He's able to make me honor Him, whereas before I couldn't honor Him. So the fundamental difference actually is not so much the desires, it's who's honoring God and who isn't. The unbeliever is not honoring God. Even if they're, I don't care if they're, they're doing charity, they're doing whatever, they're not honoring God. I'm going to close it there because, again, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going to close it there because it's 8.38. We, there's lifts and all of this. So we need to just stop. We, we, we'll have other sessions and we'll talk some more. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the guys at home, but it, we're going to be in trouble uh, for, for lifts' sake. Um, uh, so um, who, who am I going to pick on? Kaya, could you pray for us, please, in closing? <clears throat> guys so uh, in two weeks time we will do the first command and we will spend some time studying all the contours of the first command and how it applies to our lives yeah okay see you then uh, I think uh, Ishmael is going to organize this <laughs>